0: So the fun little thing about a heritage home is that the washing machine isn't actually tapped into the pipes Mm. directly. Instead, the flow, the, what do you call it, the pipe out, just feeds into the laundry tub that's next to it.
1: Yeah, my my actual parents' house is like that too. Right. Even though it was built
0: in the 80s. And since I am running the dishwasher at the moment the pipe stack in this corner of the house is getting a workout
1: mm. so that's
0: why we're hearing the blub 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 And welcome to the newest episode of Rabbit Holes Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Elise. And I'm your other host, Andy. Welcome to the show. I am looking for new pitches and ways of saying that. Nice, yeah. I don't know. (laughs) It's just. I don't know. Hello, everybody.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was our Finn Boys. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty but dumb boy. Yeah. Her babies usually are. Yeah. Him especially so, though. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, we haven't seen each other in a couple of weeks. I realized we update each other on what's going on in our lives the first episode that we record. And then we have nothing to update people on. That is true. When we record the second episode, because we do back-to-backs. Because, you know, life. So, I figured, I'm not going to tell you what happened in the last couple of weeks with me. And I'm
1: just going to ask you what's new with you. (laughs) Well, I got a short-term contract job. Yay! Yay. Being employed again. Um, The house is coming along. It's got windows today. And it's got shingles on its roof. Nice. So we're trying to get an inspection for next week so we can get the next round of money much quicker than the Mm -hmm. last round.
0: I don't know, is your guy still out of the country? Because that might actually
1: speed things up. Uh, He is. So I've already talked to the other person, left her a message and an email, (laughs) and she already emailed me back. There you go. And said, like, I already tried calling the appraiser, but he must be off for the weekend because, you know, it is five, almost six o'clock on a Friday. Right. She's gonna call him again first thing Friday morning or Monday morning to try to get him out for Wednesday. So. And you have a deal with her that she's your new mortgage person? I'm just not going to talk to the other guy. Oh, that's fair, okay. Yeah, I'm just going to talk to her. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not even shy about it anymore
0: when I have to book an appointment at the bank. It's all like an online booking system now, so you don't even call. And every time they're like, enter comment here about what the meeting is about, I'll like put in a comment and then the next line be like, and I refuse to meet with any man that you have working at your financial institution. No offense to any man working there. It's just a personal policy of mine. And so my mortgage lady at the bank here, when she saw that, she, like, laughed really, really hard. She's like, I understand why I've gotten your, like, disaster stories in the past, but, like, it kills me that you're now just putting that out on Front Street. Yeah. Like, I have
1: to. Like, the other guy that we were talking with is also much better than our first guy. Right. Um, but I couldn't remember what his number was, and mm-hmm. I had hers right in my email, so I was like... Yeah guess what?
0: You're my new person. Whether
1: you like it or not. Yeah. She's lovely. And I am not a giant see you next Tuesday if you just call me back. Yes. That's just it.
0: There's a meme that I love from a couple years ago. It was like, look, I'm a nice person. So if I'm being a bitch to you, you need to ask yourself why.
1: (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so the house is coming along. Kids are good. The job is, well, interestingly enough interesting enough right now i'm just dealing with apparently i said i didn't need my phone i knew it i knew it when you said no
0: i don't need my phone i was like that's gonna be not true Uh, i don't normally get called (laughs) oh it's ringing yes oh that's weird (laughs)
1: just wanted to chat Ah, no he was picking up so our kitchen designer had left a book of samples for the stain with our neighbors across the street who they put in a kitchen for them. So he got that. And also they 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 changed or they fixed our windows. But now like our kitchen window almost might be too low. Because they were too mm-hmm. high before. Oh. And uh, so we're going to have to send that to the designer. That's about it. That's all. Hmm. All right. Well,
0: now that you're back at work,
1: I'm assuming I'm back on editing duty. Yeah, I can probably, if we do the two, I can probably get one done. All right. But I just can't get because Dan's gone tomorrow. And... I'm just saying, let's keep it tight. Because <laughs> if I'm back to editing,
0: I have no time. <laughs> let's keep it tight. <laughs> so on that note, you want to tell me your story? Yes. <laughs> now that you've caught your breath. Also, your shirt is tucked into your bra ever since you walked in. There we go. I haven't been staring at your chest. It's just very distracting.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, this rabbit hole, so it's called, my story, as I said, it's called No Fun Facts. Uh, And this rabbit hole started because I saw someone post on Reddit, on the Am I the Asshole subreddit, about if they were an asshole for saying they understood where the Columbine shooters were coming from. (laughs) They clarified that they did not condone mass murder, but as being a victim of constant bullying they get that revenge angle. I was struck by just the inaccuracy of the statement. Yes, I believe this person was an asshole for saying it out loud and for getting just the facts wrong. So today we're going to talk about two aspects of the Columbine school shootings, the myth of the shooters and the Columbine effect. Some of the information I will relay today I got from the History of the 90s podcast and they did on their episode three, they did an episode on Columbine. Right. It was a long, uh, it's probably about the same length of my story, I figure, by the time it's done, but it's just somebody talking, so it's not like, yeah, you know, no one's exchange. Yeah.
0: I have so, to say, as much as I love you and this podcast, I have not been looking forward to this story since you told me about it. <laughs> so please note that I will not name the shooters, and you will see why. And I'm also I won- trigger warning, no pun intended, but. I'm going to guess there's probably needs to happen at some point before you get into it.
1: Yeah, probably. I'm not going to go into too much about what happened. Right. Good call. Uh, I'm not going to go as a step-by-step on the day. Yeah. So I was 19 when this happened. I was living at home uh, in my self-made gap year. (laughs) And I remember vividly watching the coverage on TV. This was like 9-11. And it's one of those points in times that I remember... Probably more vividly than, say, 9 11. Um, I was a TV loving teen in the 90s, so the images of Waco, Oklahoma City, and Columbine just really stick with me. Yeah. Um, And even like all these years later, I could close my eyes and I can see the pictures from the news choppers of the kids filing out with their arms behind their heads. Yeah. Just with the cops. Getting them out because
0: we were on the way home from our grade eight graduation trip to Montreal in like a giant yellow school bus, and Adam Lamoureux had those um, earphone radios. Which kids, do yourself a favor and Google them, because that was the height of technology in 1998. And he was the one that broke the news to all of us, and like, we had no concept for it. No. It was like the first mass shooting that made big news.
1: And- yeah, so, and one of the reasons, and I didn't write it in my story, but it was off of the podcast, one of the reasons that it got such coverage is because a lot of those national news stations mm-hmm. had big reporters, right? in the next town over for, I don't remember what trial it was, but it's also the 90s, so it's court TV, big trials, yeah. right? So they were waiting for a jury to come back with a conviction in a big, high-profile murder case. Right. So that's why all of those people. So had Littleton not been next to this town where this trial was taking place, you yeah. probably wouldn't have gotten quite the level of... Yeah, yeah. Because, like, they had news choppers, they had news trucks, they had news trucks not just from local affiliates, but from CNN everywhere, Right. because they were already in town.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, just the, the Lexil community over the next town, because Littleton really is a subdivision. Um, hmm. But, like, yeah, so they were already there covering that. Huh, so I that's one of the that. reasons that it got such the extensive coverage that it did. Hmm. So this was not the first school shooting by any means. Mm-hmm. The University of Texas tower shooting of 1966 killed 18 people. Yep. But uh, April 20th, 1999 was the, one of the biggest, one of the deadliest, and definitely the most covered in real time mass murder that took place in an American school. Until Sandy Hook, this was the deadliest public school shooting. Until Parkland, it was the deadliest high school shooting. And in case you were wondering, the deadliest school shooting in general is Virginia Tech, where the killer killed 32 people.
0: Yeah, we were... It was end of semester when that happened, and I remember my dear friend Nikki was just really, really stressed out, and... She went to a prof to talk about, like, her final paper, and he, honest to God, thought she was, like, he told her straight up, like, you look like you're about to commit mass shootings. And we were all like, have you met Nikki? Like, sweetest girl on the planet. <laughs> like, Yeah. So you take that misogyny and you shove it just because a female student shows up without makeup in your office. Like, <laughs> yeah.
1: She's not a psychopath. No. She's a stressed out undergrad. Uh, two gunmen opened fire uh, at the high school, killing 13 pit- people and injuring 21 others before killing themselves. So here's just a list of the murder victims. Uh, Rachel Scott was 17, and she was killed outside at, on the grass at the west entrance. David Rodenberg, he was 15, and he was killed at the bottom of the stairs leading to the west entrance. William David Sanders, 47, and a teacher. He was shot in a hallway adjacent to the library. Then everybody else was killed in the library. Kyle Vasquez, 16. Stephen Currow, 14. Cassie Brunell, 17. Isaiah Scholes, 18. Matthew Kletcher, 16. Laura Townsend, 18. John Tomlin, 16. Kelly Fleming, 16. Daniel Messer, Masser, 15, and Corey Depooter 17. So these people were, a number of students were injured in the rampage. The physical injuries range from shrapnel from bookshelves to being shot point blank in the face. Those were 30 people. And we, we list those too. Uh, we look at the mental in- injuries that every kid and staff in that school, first responders and parents, the list is... Mass. Yeah. Here is the list of the injured. Outside: Richard Calistano, Lance Kirkland, Steve Graves, Michael Johnson, Mark Taylor, Anne Marie Hollister. Inside: Brian Anderson, Patty Nelson, Stephen Munson, Nick Foss, Joyce Jamroski. She was a teacher. Adam Kyler, Tricia Morrell. And a number of people were injured in the library, which is when the mass, mass majority of, of yeah. the rampage happened. Evan Todd, Marky Hall, Patrick Ireland, Daniel Steepleson, Casey Rugister, Lisa Ketchner, Valerie. Oh, all the other names were easier. S C H N U R R. S C. Schner. Schner. Mark Keegan, Nicole Cowlin, Jenna Park, Jennifer Doyle, and Austin Urbanks. Most of these people were, most of these kids were shot when they were uh, hiding underneath tables. So now the fun part away. Oh, good. (laughs) Let's talk about the myths both around the shooting and the murderers and how it became the perfect storm of hype. So the first myth is that it was a planned shooting. It actually wasn't. The actual plan was more horrific, if that's possible. Oh. They had actually planned a massive bombing attack that did not happen. So they went to plan B.
0: Oh.
1: The duo placed two large propane bombs in duffel bags and hid them under the tables in the cafeteria. The timers were set to go off during a lunch shift where 488 students would be eating their lunch. Another bomb was placed in the woods away from the school in time to go off before the large bomb. They were hoping that this would cause a diversion, diversion and slowly and hopefully slow emergency service responders to the larger bomb site. Jesus. They also packed their cars with explosives and set and had them set to go off in different parking lots at staggered intervals. The hopes of this would be in these Bombs were supposed to go off after the big, bigger bomb, in hopes that these bombs would inflict more damage to the people fleeing and emergency personnel. Good Lord, who? Yeah. Thinks the third Hunger Strike book or Hunger uh, Hunger Games book, the end when her sisters killed. Yeah. In the bombs Spoilers, that some of them detonate. Yeah. yeah. If they have not read <laughs> Hunger Games by now, what? That's been out for a decade. A decade. I'm just, like...
0: uh, I guess you can't... I guess what I'm struggling
1: with is who thinks this through? A psychopath. Yeah, I know, but... But one of them was a psychopath. That test you do? Yeah. He hit the... He checked every single box on that... um, still, to, like, sit down and, like,
0: think through all of these multiple layers. He was... Like, I'm a pretty smart person. I'm capable of planning multiple complex so are you. We've complex choreographed events. I I
1: don't even know if I could wrap my head around doing something like that. Because we're functioning adults. We are not psychopaths who just have a disdain for life and want to watch the world burn. Unless it's like 3am and I'm on Twitter and
0: like the red side of the world but like yeah no i get what you mean like even in like my worst moments of twitter's ruining me as a human being i never go that far in my mind
1: so thankfully these two were shit at wiring the bombs so the (laughs) large bombs never exploded the one in the wooded area only caused a small fire which was quickly um put out and the car bombs were also duds. If the bombs in the cafeteria would have gone off, the damage would have been horrific. The size of the bomb would have wiped out everybody in the cafeteria, showering glass and and other debris on the kids outside, and maybe damaging the ceiling and the supports enough to potentially bring down the library that was sitting on top of the cafeteria.
0: Add five years to this event and the internet, and how big and how easier it gets to
1: get information off the internet. Even five years after this. Oh, oh, No. The guy who was a sociopath, psychopath, sorry, um, he had his own website, which he had bomb plans that he had found on another part of the website oh, posted to. He still couldn't get his shit he together. He still though. just couldn't get his shit together. Got it. They, just okay. they were also both very, very smart. Hmm. They were advanced placement students. Right. Hmm. They just weren't good at electrotech. <laughs> um, myth. That the murderers were goth kids, worshipped Marilyn Manson, and fans of KM, FDM, and Ramstein, which are both all bands. Okay. You needed to tell me that,
0: because I was like, I don't know what those things are.
1: uh, Now, this got a lot of traction in the media. Oh, yeah. Marilyn Manson took a lot of the heat... And anything, any goth kids after were looking at being expelled, taken out of school. Student um, dress guidelines changed. Yeah.
0: As if that was the
1: mitigating factor. Um, Even that was proven not to be true, pretty quick that they were not, like, they weren't Marilyn Manson fans. um, Media outlets still ran with such headlines as Killers Worship rock fiend manson and devil worshipping maniacs maniac told kids to kill mm, somebody was lazy in the newsroom that day yeah well they they just fed like now manson had already was already the devil to social conservatives at the time oh, yeah. and even before the rampage concerts were routinely picketed by religious advocates and parent groups who insisted that their music was corrupting influence on youth culture by inciting rape, murder, blasphemy, and suicide. So any ties to these murderers was like, even though a lie was like catnip and feeding the flames that were already there. Yeah. Neither of the killers were fans of Manson. However, they did like KMFDM and Ramstein, two German metal bands who are known for their over-the-top stage shows. Think huge flame-throwing dildos, and you'll get there with a Ramstein show. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite interesting.
0: I mean, I'm looking for new holiday decoration ideas, so... Giant flame-throwing dildo on my front lawn. I'm already the Satan of the neighborhood, because I have liberal signs on my lawn, so...
1: Might as well yep. just lean into it at this point. Play some doo. Okay. Duhast. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Don't ask me. It's a Rammstein song, because they're German, so they actually sing in German. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Um, Marilyn Manson had a piece in Rolling Stone months later where he addressed it, and he said, it was unthinkable that these kids did not have a simple black and white reason for their actions, and so a scapegoat was needed. I remember hearing the initial reports from Littleton that... The murderers, as I'm going to call them, were wearing makeup and were dressed like Marilyn Manson, whom they obviously must worship since they were dressed in all black. Of course, speculation snowballed into making me either the poster boy for everything that was bad in the world. These idiots weren't wearing makeup. They weren't dressed like me or like goths. Yeah. End quote. I think what black
0: trench coats was the only claim to fame that these kids had in terms of dark clothing.
1: Yes. And we'll talk about the trench coats. Okay, good. Uh, myth. Both shooters were outcasts and belonged to a group called the Trenchcoat Mafia. There it is. Yes. At this school, there was a group of friends that called themselves the Trenchcoat Mafia. But they never, but neither, but the two shooters had never been part of this friend circle. They were not part of the Coat Mafia. Oh. Nor was the Trench Coat Mafia a group of angry outcasts. The real kids in this group were just normal t- kids who hung out, went to the mall, played computer games, wore black trench coats. They were not goths. They did not. They were not violent outcasts. They were just a group of kids who gave their friend group a stupid, goofy name. Yeah, it's like the babysitter club. Like, it's just a
0: title that you give yourselves. Like- yeah, because they like to wear trench coats. And those girls like to babysit.
1: It's not that hard of a link. (laughs) I know. So now both murderers were wearing trench coats that day, but for a far more practical and chilling reason. They were hiding the guns. They were hiding their guns and their arsenal of pipe bombs, Molotov cocktails, and crickets. Another form of homemade bomb. Ah. (sighs) Myth. That they were the targets of bullying, and the Rampage was revenge for being social outcasts, and again, the bullying. In reality, both murderers were smart, excelling in some advanced placement courses, having a large friend group. One attended prom with a date and a limo full of friends just days before the Rampage. Hmm. One shooter had actually been suspended the year before for bullying a classmate. Yeah, but...
0: Bullying is often a perpetual cycle. So you get bullied, you turn around, you bully.
1: They turn around and bully. Sociopath, psychopath. Well, yeah, psychopath, <laughs> psychopath people. Um. So no, they weren't social outcasts by any means. Yeah. They had a big. F- they had friends. They had friends' circle. Although all of their friends said there was just something a little bit off with both of them.
0: Yeah. You can usually pick up when someone lacks a soul. Empathy.
1: A chunk of it. Uh, empathy, yeah. 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 Uh, and one last myth, myth is that they targeted jocks, people of color, and Christians. There was reports of them saying things like, all jocks stand up, calling a boy a racial slur before shooting him, and asking a girl if she believed in God also before shooting her. However, when all was said and done, the list of victims did not back up this claim. Both shooters had a disdain for all life in general, Mm-hmm. Not one section of it, and these taunts seem to be a way of torturing the victims, as opposed to
0: singling out
1: people. singling out any sort of belief or ideology in themselves. Hmm. So why did they do it? It's not very complex. It's they did it because they wanted to. Yeah. When all comes when all comes down to it. They knew what they were doing, they were wrong, was wrong, and they just wanted to do it, and they enjoyed it while they were doing it. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, you don't have to go looking for a justification for why people do stuff like this. It's like the girl who didn't like Mondays and shot up her school. Like, just, just, it's the, dumb, like, there's, there's no excuse. Like,
1: a reason, you don't need it. No. She had a really crazy childhood, though. Well, Still. Her dad, did you know, on a side note, (laughs) that her dad, her and her dad used to sleep in the same bed. He claimed that he did not sexually molest her. Okay. But the year after she was, she shot up the school and was put in jail, he married her former cellmate who looked identical to her and was 16 years old at the time. There's a whole lot of skeevy in that story. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So, like, yeah, she, she probably had a really
1: rough start. Oh, but she Still was... Still doesn't justify Oh, it. no, no, no. I'm not saying it does. I'm just saying, unlike these two idiots, she had a rough start. Didn't one of them come
0: from, like, a really broken family situation, though? Not really. I see... Like, that stands out in my
1: memory. That, that was the a big... Bowling from Columbine. Um, to a certain extent, one of them was a bit more depressed... But, again, they had a fairly decent start at life. Like, nothing too crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's no genie tied to a chair in a back room of the house. But, like, it it also wasn't, like, the... You wouldn't want your children to have the type of life one of these kids had. No. Like, broken home, socioeconomic, lower end, and, like, had problems because of that, and... But, again, when you're smart and you don't fit in, it's just you get ostracized even
1: worse in high school. But, again, hormones. they weren't overly ostracized. They still had their friend circles. They still sure. had their... But
0: even you, you just said, like, some of them are, like, there's always something a little bit off.
1: They were all friends with them, but there was just something, like, one of them, because one of them was, like, depressed and suicidal, so he would talk about how bleak, like, life was. So that was sort of where that one was a bit off. Right. The other one was as I said, a psychopath. Up, so, yeah. A straight up psychopath, so he would taunt his friends, he had no empathy, he would pull cruel pranks just mm-hmm. to watch the world burn, like, right. pull the legs off of flies, to right. sort of that type of... Yeah. He enjoyed watching people suffer, yeah. so it was like, and when you're a teenager, you see someone like that, you're not sure if what you're seeing is, like, you don't know how to interpret that, yeah. so it's like, Okay, we're gonna laugh awkwardly. Yeah. Because as a teenager, you just don't know how to process that someone can be like that. Yeah. No frame of reference. No frame of reference. So. They did leave a manifesto. This was one of the first mass shooters. This is why they became the playbook. Playbook for all shooters that come after it. That's what the Columbine effect is. I know we all want to find a deeper reason, like they were driven to by violent video games and the music, they weren't, they all had mental ill health, deep mental health issues. One shooter did suffer from depression, rage issues, and may have been psychotic. Um, But the other one was just a textbook, a textbook cold-blooded psychopath. But the heart of the matter is they wanted to do this. They wanted to go down in history, as having topped Oklahoma City and mm-hmm. commit the biggest mass murder in U.S. history, they idolized Timothy McVeigh. They loved Oklahoma City. They thought it was not big enough. <laughs> These are two people. Had they survived for 9/11, they would have thought that was a great thing. Yeah. Even though that was a different ideology, they just would have. They, they just would have thought mass murder on any scale for any reason was a good idea. Right. Timothy McVeigh was driven by Waco. They were driven by Timothy McVeigh. Right. They wanted their face on Time Magazine, which they got twice. Oh, Time Magazine. They wanted their names to be talked about and have their names live on forever.
0: I, this- could e- I know you haven't named them in this. I could not tell you either of their names.
1: This was the 90s, the rise of the 24-hour media cycle, the height of tabloid TV, the era of the O.J. chase, car chase, and the live coverage of the stand at Waco. Let's face it; they got what they wanted for at least a little while, and this is why I will not say their names or refer to them as shooter, or murderer, or idiot. Wait, you're not gonna? I'll call them idiots. I call them idiots. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said you wouldn't call them idiots. No, I said I refer. I will refer to them Ooh, as, as these things: Shooters. shooter, got or it. murderer. Uh, But let's look at these two. They might not have been the first school shooters or the deadliest, but they did release this sort of evil into the air and create the script for which all school shooters and wannabes have followed since. Also, the media has played a lot into this because it's fed into these myths. So then people who are bullied look, oh my God, like these guys got revenge on their bullies. Yeah. They weren't bullied. They were the bullies. Yeah. They were just. Killing people for fun.
0: Arse goblins from last week's show. Yes. The week before. Um.
1: Blah, blah, blah. Sorry. I just lost my space. We're not keeping it tight. I know. Like, oh, I'm sorry. It's a really heavy, deep. This took. Yeah, that's on you. <laughs> this took a week to write. I can imagine. Like, it was not an easy, easy write. And I have, like, a list of show notes. So I've read 10, 15 articles. Oh, boy. You're going to remember to send them to me this time? Yeah, they're actually in this article. (laughs) Um, So, like I said, they were good at school. They had friends. They dated. However, they did not come out. However, this did not come out of the blue. There was warning signs, much like the Parkland shooter. Always is. And they were big. They were red. And they were flashing. And nobody did anything. Nope. They were arrested for breaking and entering and had a website that detailed their increasing animosity towards society and certain individuals. They recorded chilling videos of themselves with guns and explosives. They had hours and hours of videos of them talking about how much they liked Timothy McVeigh. Timothy McVeigh. How much they admired Hitler. Oh, Jesus. Like, as soon as you start with that shit, like... They weren't necessarily white supremacists. They didn't really believe that one race was better. They just thought they were better. Right. Well, sorry, one of them thought he was better right. than everybody else. But yeah. do so start
0: talking Hitler though. Like game over. No one says like Hitler great artist. Like no. No. <laughs> we don't we don't give him any props for anything. Yeah. Also mediocre artist, which is part of the problem.
1: <laughs> So, uh, one such website, which belonged, was a personal website belonging to one of the shooters, in 1998, so months before the shooting, Brooke Brown and his mom, Judy, caught wind that his name, Brooke, was on a hit list that was on this website. So, one of the shooters had a list of people who the shooter wanted to blow up with pipe bombs. Judy, the mom, called the cops and filed a complaint. The cops tried to get a warrant, a warrant to search the house, but were not able to. Even though both shooters at the time were on probation for the B&E. Jesus. They still couldn't get a warrant. And, like, so they were on probation for B&E and had a website that talked about murdering people with pipe bombs, but they couldn't get a warrant to go into the house to look for pipe bombs. Some... A plus police work right there. I would also like to note that I don't believe that anybody on this hit list was actually killed that day. Mm.
0: I'm yeah, I mean
1: and they were just doing it for
0: they might have meant to, but the chaos that they created, the sheer size of that school, like yeah.
1: <sighs> Columbine and also the guy who was like I've never don't think he's Brown really had inner interactions to get on this hit list, so I'm very surprised. So, Columbine may have been inspired by Oklahoma, but Columbine be- inspired just about every mass killer in the US since 1999. The number of shooters and would be's that are obsessed with Columbine is staggering. There's a lot of research done on Columbine, okay, also why I got so many articles, but and there's a lot of chat rooms and places on the internet where you can find Columbine information, and especially like these chat rooms back when the '90s, when chat rooms were popular.
0: <laughs> you said chat rooms, and like you lost me for a minute because I was like, those still exist. <laughs> I
1: think some of these were from the original. Okay. The people on them were easily everybody fit into one of three categories. Either they're a researcher. Okay. They were a fangirl, which grosses me out. Ew. Fangirline, I guess. Boys or girls. Or someone who was seriously obsessed with Columbine and potential future
0: so shooter. let's go to those internet providers, dump the list of people who are in those rooms, and columns two and three get visits from the local PD.
1: You'd think so. Now, again, because they are following the Columbine script, these perpetrators, and soon-to-be perpetrators, left, leave... A trail of massive evidence, yeah. breadcrumbs, warning signs. So that's why so many are actually stopped. Okay. There is a lot of would-be shooters than there are actual shooters. Hmm. Because they're dumb and they talk about it. Oh, okay, and then okay. someone goes, huh. <laughs> you know, like, Parkland Shooter could yeah. have been and should have been stopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he told everybody. Yeah. And he was just a walking red flag of... Yeah, but Florida, so... Because, I mean, most... Almost all school shooters are active students. They're students enrolled in that school, um, with the exception of Sandy Hook, obviously. Right. Um, but the research... These... Perpetrators or would-be or wannabes, they research both the act and the shooters from Columbine. Some even visit Littleton on vacation Ugh. in a really fucked-up pilgrimage. Ugh. The kid who did that, his mom went along with it because she thought it would like kill his obsession, like oh, as opposed to sending him to therapy. Yeah. After getting there, he fantasized about finding some of the survivors and finishing them off for them. Then I think he got therapy. Uh, okay. I hope so. I hope he got well, therapy. Well, that's why we talked about him. That's reason. the white like Okay. <laughs> yeah. he was an actual shooter. Researchers have named this as the Columbine effect. The Parkland shooter, the Sandy Hook shooter, both had major obsessions with Columbine. The Sandy Hook shooter had a Tumblr account dedicated to the Columbine shooters as like a weird internet collage scrapbook thing.
0: Hmm.
1: Where he had pictures of the shooters, of all the victims, a lot of information. There's so much ills in this world that could be
0: solved if they just watched these Tumblr and Reddit accounts a little bit closer. And if anyone on 4 Chain and 8 Chain was just like automatically put on a list to be monitored.
1: <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so the two shooters may have released this proverbial poison into the air. because they made it look so easy. Yeah, but they didn't make the poison. No. But we, the public and the media, have made sure that that poison was spread far and wide. Yeah. I found this article that talks about our culpability better than I can. So the last little bit of this is just basically... So the authors Julian Peterson, professor of criminal justice at Hamlin University, and James Densley, professor of criminal justice at Metropolitan State University, writes... And we, the public, have contributed to the production and direction of this script again and again and again through our obsession with true crime and film, books, memes, and I'm going to insert podcast because I'm talking about this. I know. And entire websites devoted to Columbine by releasing CCTV footage of the shooters to the public by running our children through regular lockdown and active shooter drills starting at preschool through grade 12. I can confirm this because my four-year-old went through her first lockdown drill this week. Did they give you a heads-up they were doing it? Oh. By sending them to school through secure entrances with clear backpacks and bulletproof binders, society and culture have reared a Columbine generation, modeling that this is just a part of childhood in America.
0: I think they're confusing... The symptom and the disease. Like, the disease is the gun issue and the lack of mental health care. But they're pointing, like, we're raising a, a generation to be okay with having to have bulletproof backpacks and these lockdown drills. Like, no, no, they have to do that because we're not treating the disease underlying those symptoms.
1: So I think that's where they're getting it a little bit skewed. <laughs> So to close this long and heavy story, I'm going to leave you with another section from the previous author's research who specialized in this area. After 20 years, it's time to rewrite the script being rehearsed with young people. It starts with no names, no photos, and no notoriety for the mass shooters in media coverage. Yeah. Which is, you saw that with Parkland.
0: Yeah, I refused to name that guy in my story at the end of
1: our year roundup. But much of the media didn't name him either. Uh, There's a lot less focus on him and why he did it. But I think that's because the kids went out. The survivors went out. But even in the beginning, there was this change for the start. Changing that script. Um, The same time, the fact that both the suspects and the STEM school Highland Ranch shooting survived presents an opportunity to better understand the motivations of the shooters in an effort to prevent further tragedies like this occurring. As we've argued in the past, school shooters almost always show warning signs well before they open fire. The next stage is a paradigm shift from homeroom security to holistic violence prevention in schools, mental health, supportive environments, strong relationships and crisis intervention and de-escalation. Teachers should feel as comfortable asking a student about suicide as they are going through a lockdown drill. Empowered to spend as much time teaching empathy and resilience as they do now training to run, hide and fight. Victims and survivors of school violence must not be forgotten, but to prevent another two decades of contagions and copycats, it is required that a recognition that it is time to close the curtain on the spectacle of Columbine.
0: Yes, I agree with 75% of that. or No, 25% of that. The other 75%, I think they're still blaming the symptom and not the, the actual virus. Because what I did not hear in what they're saying we need to do is more sensible gun control. Like, yeah. why 18-year-olds are able to get a complete arsenal to the point where they have to wear clothing to disguise how much they're bringing in is th- the underlying issue there.
1: Now, in Columbine, there wasn't... I don't think they had... They didn't have anything like a tech... Um, actually, they did have a tech something. They had a handgun and a rifle. They didn't have, like, an assault the, rifle. Yeah. They didn't have an AR.
0: Because those, those are, I think, more, like, recent mass market available. And they had to get someone else to buy them. So you yeah. ended up getting these guns through family and larger connections. One of the kids I remember the the family was big on hunting. So they had a lot of that kicking around. Yeah. But like again, no family needs that many firearms. Like it's like I'm a I'm a single person. Why do I need 3 TVs in my home? Right? Like Yeah. You can only use one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> so like yeah. To me, I agree with what they're saying 25% there, like, let's look at the the mental health issues underlying it and stop focusing on these murderers and these killers, but I, we're still just fixing the symptoms and not the, the underlying disease.
1: Oh, I agree. Gun control in the states is bonkers. Because there is none. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That is right. And I don't understand that. As someone who has guns in their house, yeah. locked in a safe... It is the biggest and easiest
0: public health crisis that could be fixed. Oh, for sure. Like, you could take this massive chunk of danger for your public out of circulation like that. Australia did it. New Zealand did it.
1: The world continued to spin the next day. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you look at something like we have here, where, yes, we still, I, I, I don't know if like Australia still has some gun violence, they just haven't had a mass shooter. But, but even their gun violence incidences are very small,
0: yes, and rare, and far in between, because their culture is more about um, the sport aspect of it, unless the the recreational hunting piece, unless the it's my God given right, which yes, chapter and verse, you show me where that's your
1: God given right. <laughs> oh yes, in the states, it's yeah. beyond bonkers. Yeah. Um. Again, like. We have guns in our house. They are locked in a safe. Right. Uh, where the key is? Could not tell you, actually. <laughs> I honestly don't know. I was thinking about that the other day. Not that I ever have to go in there, but I'm like, I don't know where the key is. Hmm.
0: Probably it's, not the worst thing.
1: No. Nah, well, not You'll that need I need it. Yeah.
0: I like the Japanese model, where, like, the first four steps in the process of getting a gun is explaining why you want the gun. Like, over Like, you've got to go through multiple checks, multiple psychological checks, like... And you've got to have a really... It's not just, like, protection. That doesn't fly. Like, you've got to have a better reason than that.
1: Here you have... So you have to get your FAC. Um, and you have to go through a test and a course. Mm-hmm. You have to go through a background check. Mm-hmm. Um, every time Dan renews his FAC, I have to sign off. Right.
0: But um, I mean, even that's a flawed system. Yeah, there's no perfect system. Yeah, but, like, if you're a domestically abused wife and your husband wants to get his gun license renewed,
1: you're going to say no? Like? No, but he does I, I don't have to sign off on it. Like, I could call. Like, there's a lot of ways. Yeah. And even if we divorced and 10 years down the road, I'd still have to sign off on it. Right. They would find me. That's good. And it's a little ridiculous at times, I think. Right. Because, say, someone has been divorced for 20 years. Yeah. No contact. Yeah. But... You wanted to, for some reason, get your FAC renewed, then you had to find that person that you've broken up with twenty years ago. You divorced, maybe you have no ties if you don't have any kids, right? And if that person was a petty, hello, (laughs) the guy would be. It's true. They say never
0: marry someone you don't want to be divorced from, which I think is why I'm still single. <laughs> because you, no one wants to be divorced from me. <laughs> uh, kids are not. I am setting out to make your life as miserable as you made mine that led up to the divorce.
1: <laughs> you know,
0: sometimes not all
1: divorces because know, you're know, totally I miserable. I know. Just sometimes... It
0: doesn't work out.
1: Yeah.
0: I know. Um, but I am all for as many hoops. I haven't seen you in 20 years. Fine. Uh, bring me the Horn of a Unicorn and I will give you your FAC. Like, any hoop you want to put in place, I'm happy with. (laughs) It's not a terrible system. Dumbledore has to sign off as well. And bring your Hogwarts admission letter. Then I'll give you your gun license. (laughs) All of a sudden, Jude Law is like, what the fuck is
1: happening? People keep rolling up on me. (laughs) But, like, I mean, you can't... There are people who own guns who are quite... Oh, I know.
0: I know. And, and and to your point, like, I'm not a fan of guns because Dan is a conscientious gun owner, and you're right. There's some farmers, that are, like, the majority of gun owners in Canada, at least, are conscientious gun yeah. owners. My problem is, the gun doesn't know they're conscientious gun owners. So, that's... The gun has one purpose, and it's to fire the bullet. Who's holding it? Who it's being pointed at? What it's being pointed at? That's... That's a fluctuating thing,
1: right? But I don't think it's a cultural thing. Like, growing oh, up. yeah. Like, our culture versus. But, like, growing up, my dad kept guns. Yeah. Unlocked. Next to the hot water heater, occasionally. Yeah. They were his. As a child, I never thought, I want to touch the gun. Because right. it was not part of, like, that was, I knew they were there all yeah. my life growing up. But at no point did that mean anything to me than other than that's what dad uses to kill the tasty moose that I love eating. Yes.
0: But you give like little boys toys and they'll turn them into guns no matter what they are, right? They get that off of TV. Someone breaks into your house and is looking for a valuable. There's an unlocked gun next to your water heater. That's a, that's a really good valuable to have. And so all of a sudden the gun is loose and it can do what it's intended to do, which is to fire that bullet regardless of who and the why's. So I think one of the things they're talking about now is, um, bio locks on firearms. Hmm. So like, it's, it's, you've got to u- like, use your fingerprint, it, your palm print, recognizes it. Um, I've heard of some, um, It's very James Bond, yes, Skyfall. But like jewelry, like rings that lock and unlock the gun, that type of thing. These are like bioprints that the gun needs to even function. And that I'm a little more okay with. It's also a cost prohibitive at this stage and probably will be for a very long time so that way i know that these kids aren't going to get their hands on firearms so if you want to like do a swap out deal where like you take in all the old school guns and get those bio locked guns i'm happy with that as a taxpayer take my money i'm good i'm happy because it guarantees that those kids are not going to be able to fire that gun so that's where i stand on guns as the daughter of a man who was in the army and knew how to function very well with sidearms and long arms and full artillery, it's just
1: not. Let's take out that cannon. Hold yeah. on. <laughs> exactly. Do, 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 do. Oh, I gotta put the gunpowder in there. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, I mean, old the eighteenth century musket. I'm pretty sure I could load and fire one of those just based on theory done. alone. Oh, bring it by. I'll see if I know how to do it.
1: I think we have one at the camp, maybe? I don't
0: know. In theory, at least. You need to find me the, the cartridge. I'm a giant pussy and pacifist. and I like my meat that comes in a styrofoam tray covered in saran wrap.
1: You do know someone had to kill that at some point, right? Nope. Not true. Just shows up at the grocery store. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So you had told me what you were going to do. And I didn't want to follow up and be like, what's up, dummies? Let's look at this ridiculously fun topic. Waka waka. So instead, I'm looking at a topic we all hear about and should know more about. And that is online influencers, particularly Instagram influencers.
1: Nice. Yeah. Because we are on Instagram, but we are not an influencer. No. You know what ended ended today? Oh, our contest. Yes. Yes.
0: So I will probably do a drop in once we figure out who won at some point yes Uh, so please assume that i am air quoting anytime i say influencers uh, because that's debatable in a lot of cases and i just don't want to have to keep saying air quoting influencer but i'm doing it in my mind (laughs) so being an influencer is a really broad term and the activity has actually been around for decades if not all of human existence uh, the Wikipedia definition, uh, influencer marketing, aka influence marketing, is a form of social media marketing involving endorsements and product placements from influencers, people and organizations who possess an expert level of knowledge and or social influence in their respective fields. So that's really the purpose behind Like Like, nobody's an influencer for the sake of, I just want to manipulate people. There's a dollar payout at the end of it somewhere. Influencer content may be framed as testimonial advertising, where influencers play the role of a potential buyer themselves, or they may be involved as third parties. These third parties can be spotted either within the supply chain, so retailers, manufacturers, etc., or among the so-called value-added influencers, such as journalists, academic, industry analysts, and professional advertisers. There are various kinds of influencers out there. We have the activists, and these are influencers that get involved with their communities, political movements, charities, and so on. Um, trying to th- like Barack Diana, o- Diana, Barack Obama when he was working for Acorn, like the the grassroots community engagement company. Uh, connected people, and these are influencers who have large social networks. So think your Kar- Kardashians and that ilk authoritative influencers and these are people that can be counted upon and are trusted by others so if martha stewart tells me how to bake a pie and what products to use i'm gonna believe martha stewart right
1: oh my god have you seen the snoop dog no <laughs> i haven't yet so uh, whatever that rapper is that's on trial right now but has been like naming all these famous peoples as part of his uh, game like teriyaki ter- face tattooed dude yeah, yeah. So, that guy's going to end up dead. Snoop Dogg puts out this meme on Twitter where he's like, this guy is opening his mouth. Don't forget that my girl, Martha, (laughs) took a dime in prison, didn't name anybody, and ate that time by herself like a champ. Like, he was basically pointing how thug Martha Stewart... To be fair, she's more
0: thug than he is as well.
1: So, <laughs> she has done more time than yes. him. Yes. I was just like crying <laughs> as I cuz he was putting this out on Twitter was like wow. this guy is rolling like opening his mouth and just spilling shit when he had no reason to. And not about the friendliest type of people either. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be on Carrie B's bad side. No. Uh-uh. oh. No. Sorry, <laughs> that. you could check that out that. But I was just like, as soon as you were like, "Oh my God, Martha Stewart!" Yes, like he's like, she ate that time in prison all by herself. Yeah, she came out looking well rested as well. So, uh,
0: other types of influencers, the active minds. These are influencers that have multiple and diverse range of interests. So, like John Ronson, for example, his recent he put out another like series of podcasts, okay. the "Last Days of August," about a porn star who killed themselves. And I haven't listened to it yet, but he kind of tracks what led up to it. But before that, his books were about extremists. And before that, it was about social media. And before that, it was so, like, yeah. if I want to know a deep dive on a weird cultural issue and John Ronson has a new book coming out, like, take my money.
1: <laughs> well, it's like Michael, um, Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Yeah. Same same book. Ta- talking to Strangers this is his new one. And he does his two podcasts. He now has a podcast network called yeah. Pushkin Industries. And he's got a certain cachet about a certain type of information and data yeah, sharing. Yeah. Like yeah. He's an intellectual who does TED talks and la 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 la. So, yeah.
0: and the last type of influencer are the trendsetters, and these tend to be the early adopters or levers in markets. So now you scroll through Instagram, and all these Instagirls are selling tummy tea, which is supposed to make you skinny. That started like with the Kardashians. That's where like they made a big bang with it to start off with. So.
1: And not getting peed on Well, Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of Malcolm
0: Gladwell, he is about my... I've got him in my next oh. point, because he wrote a little bit about influencers in The Tipping Point, and he identified three categories. Connectors network across a wide variety of people and thus have a wider reach. They are essential for word-of-mouth communication. So this is your day-to-day... Even, I guess, the Kardashians could count, too, but it's like, I'm going to tell you about something... Some of, like, the trendsetter yeah. of the broader definition. Then there are mavens, and they look to utilize information and share it with others and are extremely insightful with regards to trends. Not the Kardashians. Not the Kardashians. Like, my friend Halla. Like, if Halla tells me to read a book, I'm reading it, because I'm going to enjoy the fuck out of it. <laughs> like, she is a maven when it comes to weird and interesting books to read. And then there are the salesmen, who are charismatic persuaders. Their source of influence leans towards the tendency of others to attempt to imitate their behavior. The Kardashians. Kardashians. Yes. So the way I'm looking at the term today is within the context of influencers on social media. We've talked about a few of them on the show as well in the past. So snake oil salesmen were influencers of some kind. Uh, The whole Jilly Juice nonsense. She is goop. uh, But Jilly Juice is a social media movement. Uh, Anna Sorkin, the uh, fake Russian heiress. Yes. And make influencer. It.
1: Fake it till you make it. Yep.
0: And then the uptick in tourism at Chernobyl. All of these are trading on influencer status in some way or other.
1: Jimmy Kimball's recent love of my hometown dildo.
0: Right. Yes. He jumped on that bandwagon like way late because every single Canadian school child saw that in our maps and our atlases and I've been laughing about it for
1: generations <laughs> Yeah, but we now have a dildo sign that looks like the Hollywood sign on the side of a hill. (laughs) I am not kidding, and I will have to show you that. Have I not shared that with you? Not yet.
0: (laughs) Uh, So, as I said, um, my focus is going to be on Instagram, because that's one of the most prolific influencer platforms out there currently. So according to the Digital Marketing Institute, there are a handful of reasons for why Instagram is ideally suited for influencer platforms. Uh, Its content is easily digestible as images or short videos It encourages more peer to peer sharing, which helps brands improve their target audience reach. Their audience isn't limited to the actual followers. They can connect with the followers of their followers who share their content. And as a result, they engage in many sponsored posts, allowing them to be paid for what they share on Instagram. So that's at the end of the day. You're looking for a shekel over what you're posting. Uh, But for all of... uh, the growth of video on instagram approximately 75 percent of all sponsored posts were actually in photo form in the first half of 2018. so i believe that this information is dated though i think it's probably swung to about even at this point because i'm seeing more ads now on instagram than i ever did before
1: yeah and (coughs) what happened in the last year or so is an influencer has to post that it's sponsored content. Yes. I think if they're I get getting that it's some point. Oh, <laughs> hey, I shit all over your stories, damn it. Uh, and also, like, I guess the Instagram stories, like the little... Yeah. Are becoming more... Advertising content. Well, they're just becoming more popular. That's...
0: I hate them. I scroll through them just because I need to get rid of them. But, I just never click on them. Yeah. I rarely click on them, I should say.
1: And as we get <sighs> a train. Yes. Choo choo, choo choo.
0: So it's um, actually not uncommon for a paid influencer's post about a product, a service, or a company to get more interactions than the actual company's posts about the same thing.
1: I believe that. Fire festival. Perfect example. Yes, which I don't talk about, but I. Good. Yes, but I I name check because
0: obviously it is the influencer shitstorm that really highlighted a lot of these problems and issues. So some of the biggest influencers on Instagram may actually surprise you because you've probably never heard of them. At least I hadn't. Uh, And these numbers come from earlier this year, so they may have changed and don't at me because I did not care enough to go get these people's current follower counts. Uh, Huda Katan has 29 million followers for her makeup tutorials. That does not surprise me.
1: I'm not surprised that a makeup tutorial person is like that many people yeah yeah
0: cameron dallas has 21 million followers for i think having a 300 megawatt smile and some musical inclination it's not exactly clear as to why but he's a very pretty looking young man oh he's a young man yeah who plays some music uh and that actually scored him a deal with netflix so he's got a show coming out based off of the strength of his influencer
1: status on instagram so we'll have to see how shitty that is yeah
0: Kayla It seems, has 10.5 million followers for her workout videos slash tips, including a series on bikini bodies. So I think that's where some of the gentlemen come along, because there's quite a few scantily clad women being posted about in the guise of workout videos. Marianne Ezzedine has 2.4 million followers for her cooking page. And Zach King has 21 million followers for his page that posts and reposts content designed just to make people smile, Aww. which is what gets you to share his stuff. So that's, he's, that's like the entire philosophy behind his page, which I mean, okay. All right. Uh, 21 million people though <laughs> follow this kid.
1: Who you doesn't love a good puppy photo.
0: That's true. But like, I follow individual like kitten rescue people. That's true. <laughs> Have you heard of any of these people? No. No. None of them. Me either. Um, but there are celebrities on Instagram that are considered influencers, and these numbers are current as of this month. I did go pull these numbers. So the one celebrity that seems to play the game the best has always been Kylie Jenner, uh, the self-made billionaire.
1: <laughs> Sorry. They heard my eyes yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you need
0: me to like knock you on the side yeah. of the head to put them back in place? <laughs>
1: Made my ass.
0: So, currently, as of this month, she has 147 million followers. That's a lot of people. Uh, One source claims that she commands $1 million per sponsored Instagram post, uh, making her the highest paid influencer, if true.
1: I mean, let's face it. Someone would pay her a million dollars to have her fart on their product. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, She
0: also avidly promotes her own products, uh, which are selling pretty well as a result. So if you have 70 bucks and you want to spend it on a lip kit, I can't wear buy Rihanna. <laughs> we're just like don't. <laughs> lipstick is like the worst of all makeup to me. I can't
1: I, I can't do eyeliner. I can do
0: lipstick. Oh, see, see where the exact opposite eyeliner yeah. is what the only thing. Yeah, mascara. I uh, can't wear
1: mascara. It drives me nuts. Oh, it took me several times stabbing myself in the eye before I got the hang of it's it. It's not even that. It's just because I'm, like, I'm someone who, like, rubs mm. their eyes, so then it's always in my eyes, and it just irritates me, and yeah. I can't do, like, uh, an, an eyeliner on the top lid to see... Oh, no, me either. The I top do eyelash. bottom eyelid. Apparently, we two, like, makeup people that is, like... Yeah. Weird trash, but... Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> I can do lipstick. I have a lot of lipstick. Yeah. I even wore lipstick this week. Yeah. This is one of the first days I haven't. There you go. Uh, So those are the unknown influencers. Yes, we were talking
0: Kylie Jenner. So uh, next up, Christina Gomez held the record for three years for having the most Instagram followers when Cristiano Ronaldo topped her. Um, She had 144 million followers. She is currently at 157 million, by the way. Uh, She uses her platform to promote social causes like the fight against human trafficking, plugging her products or her projects, I should say, and to just interact with her fans. Yeah. So she has a very authentic profile, and that's what drew 157 million people to her. And then that brings us to the man with the most Instagram followers, and that is Cristiano Ronaldo. He's currently mm-hmm. sitting at 185 million people. Have you seen that really
1: bad statue? Yeah. <laughs> Crispy?
0: Yep. Oh. <laughs> Uh, He can allegedly make $750,000 per paid post. And I think the reason why he has so many followers is that there is a lot of soccer content on his page. Duh. But also his travels and his family life. He posts often and a lot, which makes him an engaging account to follow. So you've got the soccer content to draw the men and some women. Obviously, North America doesn't care tremendously about soccer, but Europe, Africa certainly do. Caribbean, Caribbean, South America,
1: yeah. So everybody else loves football except for North
0: America. Uh, Also, he's not dating women who look like you and I. Oh, God, no. And the ones he is dating like to wear itty-bitty bikinis, so I think that's another draw for the men, and then for the ladies, and also some men, there's greasy Cristiano himself who always looks like he's bathed in salad oil before he steps outside.
1: You look like you could just, like, use him to grease your pants. Yeah,
0: right? Just come here, dude. It's like good. a mix of, like, that hair product he uses and, like, the sweat, because he is, like, an athlete. But, like, but he needs a shower. But he's also very tan, so it's so maybe
1: tanning oil. Like, yeah. Just, and I don't yeah.
0: Know. Not my cup of tea. Yeah. Um, i looks like no know. sticky. I don't know. Yeah. Oof. Too pretty. Has. But... I mean, he's got Not a. Not pretty in the right way. I know, know, but like a bit of a butterface. Like, I'd lick those abs given the chance. Like, yeah. <laughs> there it is. We'll just put like a pillow on his face and call it a day. <laughs> yeah, his face isn't all that great. No, he's a butterface. Yeah. I'll,
1: I'll take Beckham any day.
0: As long as he doesn't talk. That is true. Poor <laughs> Beckham. So influencers aren't just about the fame, though a lot of them love it. It's mainly a monetary venture, like I talked about. And this was a real issue and continues to be so on the big social media platforms like Instagram. Advertising in the U.S., which once again is the major English language content producer, like when I talked about swearing, um, looking at the U.S. case just because it produces so much. Uh, So advertising there is regulated by the Federal Trade Commission, and it started to get nervous about the whole thing a couple of years ago. So the FTC's rules for, quote, native advertising requires spokespeople to declare if they're getting paid for what they're shilling. At the time when the influencers started to rise it and it became an issue, they sent out a letter to 90 of the top influencers who were primarily athletes and other celebrities, reminding them that they had to tell their followers if they were paid for an endorsement. So in response, a 2017 update to the platform by Instagram allowed influencers to identify a paid partnership very clearly. And most people, if they're smart, will also hashtag aid or uh, add or paid content, something like that. Another problem with influencer advertising is defining how influential someone really is. So a 2018 study of 7,000 UK influencers found that they had collectively about 20,000, quote, low quality followers. So primarily bots. That same study found that of the 700,000 posts, uh, from the first half of 2018, that those 7,000 influencers posted, uh, about 12% of their posts were likes from bot followers. So, these bots again, like it's it's a big business, especially in um, call center economies like in India and Bangladesh. You just buy
1: people who have multiple accounts to go on and like your stuff all day long. <laughs> well, it's sort of, um, I don't remember what story it was, it was talking about the Splash and Boots. The kids' um, singers. Okay. So they have a smaller. So this was, I don't know if it was, I think it was Geeks and Beats. So they're talking to a promo, a manager, a music manager. He was saying, like, you know, bands will send in their demos and they'll be like, oh, we have this many followers yep. and this many uh, likes on our Facebook page. Yep. They could have 100,000. But no engagements. Yep. And like he manages Splash and Boots, which are this duo from Kingston. They do kids' performances. They're sort of like Canadian Wiggles, not quite as annoying. Um, they have probably like a third of what, I say, a, another band would have. Mm-hmm. But every single one of those is an engagement. Right. It's like, you know, when they come that, you know, when they post, um, I'm going to, when they post their tour. Yep someone like me with small kids would share that and like tag um, you know friends that have kids around the same age yep. be like you know Melanie do you want to take the kids to this right it's like so they have they can, can they can actually monetize their say 10,000 yeah I'm sure it's more um a hundred times more than someone with a hundred thousand unengaged followers right because those people are sharing those people are coming to shows those people are yeah. commenting on the content so they're actually engaged and right so they're an influencer but they have like a third of the content like yeah. a third of the followers but but it's the quality of the content it's yeah. the
0: quality of the follower that yeah.
1: counts exactly
0: that other 100,000 group might be 70,000 out of Bangladesh right who yeah. are just bots? Program like every so often the bots roll through our analytics yeah. for the podcast, and I can always tell when it's happened because all of a sudden we had fifty listens to four episodes in an hour long period. We're not that, we're not that popular yet. <laughs> like, no. it's it's not happening. So it always drives me nuts because they ruin our analytics for a certain period. Yeah, and I'm just like, fuck, get off! Like I'm not paying you, and I keep getting like Instagram and emails from people oh, yeah. like followers it's fun and easy i'm like no i know so uh so like i was saying uh, that uak study found that about 12 percent of posts for some you for about 7,000 influencers were from bot followers and if you're a business looking for a good way to spend your advertising budget that is extremely problematic so you want your you want the uh splash and boots people to advertise for you yeah and you want to put your limited dollars there, not to the people who have 100,000 followers that 70% of them are crap yeah, and not real. But for all of that, let's look at a couple of influencers that have been having a rough go of it in the online community lately. There are two kinds of influencers in this boat that I'm calling the dummies and the con men slash con women. Let's look at the dummies first, because I love me a dummy or two. Swedish influencer Natalie Schlatter recently posted a photo of herself wearing a bikini in Bali watching someone work in a rice field. The caption included the line, quote, I'm thinking about how different my life is from the man picking the rice in the field every morning. Like, okay, a little tone Don't deaf. deaf. Yeah. Uh, immediate response from among her 12,000 followers, they called her a narcissist and accused her of humble bragging. She tried to update the caption with an apology, saying she never intended to be disrespectful and was sorry if she hurt anyone's feelings, but in the end just ended up deleting her account. This is the cancel culture.
1: Oh, don't even get me started on the fucking
0: cancel culture. <laughs> uh, John Ronson has a good book about um, shaming in the social media age, and it starts with that woman who made a really bad joke about AIDS and then got on a plane to South Africa And the tweet went around the world before she managed to get to South Africa, and she got off the plane, and her phone just, like, literally exploded in her hand when she reconnected to
1: Wi-Fi. Yeah, and also, she was, like, an aid agency, like, the head of... PR or advertising, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that's an interesting little twist. Uh, Another dummy influencer. Uh, This one had a monetary spin to it, so could kind of fit in the con man woman category, but uh, I think she's just really dumb. She seems pretty out to lunch. Uh, Emma Hallberg, another Swede, is a 19 year old woman of color question mark. She presents herself as having darkish skin, black hair and eyebrows, dark brown eyes and very full lips not to put too fine a point on it, but she looks black on her Instagram. However, she very much is not. (laughs) She is a white Swedish woman. (laughs) She claims to tan easily and have naturally curly dark hair, which is why some people may mistake her for a person of color. Uh, And influencers like her have led to the creation of the term black fishing, where white people pretend to be black online. Uh, I guess so many of them are doing it that a dedicated term was required. So, she's posting pictures looking like a person of color, very much is not, and is using that look to sell products to a certain community that she's not a part of. Um, it's
1: not quite brown face. No. Like our Prime Minister. No.
0: But, still problematic, and she's very unapologetic about it, and is not changing her ways. She's been called out multiple times in multiple ways, and it's just like, it's a look that I'm leaning into. So she's making money off of it, but I think she's just dumber than she is consciously looking for... She does not idea. realize that how... No. She comes across... All right. Or she doesn't care. Yeah. And then we have the confidence uh, men and women, but these two women are going to talk about. So con women, uh, the hucksters and those out to make a buck. So Belle Gibson has a huge social media presence because she claims to have cured her own multi-site cancer without drugs through diet and alternative therapies. Yeah. She developed an app around her claims and wrote a book about it, then said a chunk of the proceeds were going to charity. As you might expect, some journalists wanted to call BS, and they did their job. So in 2015, those journalists decided to look into the matter and found that A, she wasn't donating as much to charity as she claimed, and B, she never had cancer. The Australian courts fined her $400,000 for misrepresentation, which she hasn't paid yet, by the way, and could face jail time over in the near future. And she did not learn her lesson because she's now back on Instagram with a private personal account. But still, she's back on Instagram. And then you remember how Aunt Becky tried to buy her daughter's way into college? Yes. Yeah, and well, uh, did actually manage to get her into college. So Olivia Jade... Gianuli was an influential beauty blogger with about 3 million followers on the gram and her YouTube account. She had endorsement deals with Marc Jacobs, Amazon, Estee Lauder, and the makeup line, Andy, makeup line with Sephora. She said that she wanted to go to USC for the prestige of it and spent most of her time there partying and building up her influencer status. She never
1: wanted to go to school. Her parents made her. She even said that at one point.
0: Well, she said she wanted to go for the parties and for the ability to build this brand around being a college girl. And if she was gonna have to go and do some that somewhere, might as well be USC. Not like Felicity Huffman's daughter, who's like really thought she actually got in based off merits. Like this one knew straight up what the deal was. (laughs) Poor Felicity Huffman's daughter. Uh, da, da, da. So when the college entrance, uh, college entrance Scam scandal broke uh, Most of her sponsors Dumped her like a bag of trash Like wasn't Amazon Well Amazon kitted out her dorm room That was the deal she had with them And then like touted Amazon products But like Estee Lauder I think and Marc Jacobs Were some of the first to be like We don't know her <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I don't know that name Yeah and then there are the Mac Daddy style scandals. Obviously, the fire festival. I'm not going to go into it. Go watch the Hulu or Netflix docs on it. Because hearing a man say that he was about to blow an official to get fresh water at event is far better storytelling
1: than I could ever do. <laughs> Did I cover a little bit of it too? I we'll don't remember. We'll I do Or I so. might have just talked about it. But yeah, that is, like, above and beyond as an event planner. Yeah. Like, I am never, no. ever in my <laughs> job going to be like, hold on a second. Let me brush my teeth so I can go blow some guys so we can get water.
0: I was thinking about that the other night. Like, you, you get sucked into an event where you just you need it to go well. So you're willing to do things that you normally wouldn't put, like... You take a lot of shit from people just for the sake of, like, getting yeah. through the night and getting onto the other side of it. But yeah, I don't think any of us have ever been like, well, gotta get the knee pads out of the car. <laughs> yeah. Gotta go to work. <laughs> Hold on a second. Gotta <laughs> make sure the hair is tied back so I don't
1: get jizz in it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So I'm not going to go into Firefest, There's a lot out there. Go watch those docs.
1: Oh my God. They're so good.
0: But what made me want to do the story now was that the news broke earlier this fall about influencer Caroline Calloway. Have you ever heard of her? Mm, no, not really. I had not heard of her until this news came out. So considering I only use my Instagram to follow cat accounts and keep up with my friends' lives, it's probably no surprise that Calloway only came on to my radar when something big time negative came out about her. At that time, so earlier this fall, she was a 27-year-old living in New York and had almost 800,000 followers. Her account was full of pictures of her glamorous life with diary-style captions that drew people for the aesthetic she represented. So, oh, I do long, vaguely remember this. Yes, Callaway hit my radar when an old friend named Natalie Beach... Uh, who turned out to be the ghost writer director of Calloway's Instagram account, wrote an expose about her for The Cut, an online news page. Beach described meeting Calloway at NYU in a creative nonfiction workshop where the pattern for their relationship was set. Beach wrote, quote, The point of the class was to learn to write your own story, but from the moment we met, I focused instead on helping her tell her own first in notes about after workshop, then later editing her Instagram captions and co-writing a book proposal she sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Calloway attained her first bit of notoriety when she posted a picture of a rainbow of macarons, of course, the basicest of all pastries. Uh, so she posted that to integra- Instagram, which was then put on the favorites page. So it became like when you search for new stuff, it popped up right away got a lot of attention and that got her almost 50,000 followers pretty quickly. Uh, her influencer status though came off the back of her posts related to her time as an American undergrad at Cambridge University. So she started with Macaron and she ended, well, she didn't end. She built and grew well at university. But Calloway built that influencer status through an Instagram account with the theme of quote, adventuregrams or i'm uh, sorry yeah. hashtag adventure uh, beach says calloway described the philosophy to her as quote you can have an adventure anywhere if you're curious that's what the brand is about it doesn't matter where you live or how much money you have you could be a teen from nebraska and by following me you can feel like you're here The way Beach describes their their relationship is like the backwater girl Beach meets the dazzling socialite Calloway and gets sucked into her life and lifestyle almost unwittingly. So basically, I could see Anne Hathaway in this movie, is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Calloway is described as the kind of friend who may forget your birthday, but that you would go to if you ever needed a black market kidney. Just to put it in perspective she's completely out to lunch but also has the weirdest connections in the world beach describes a trip that the two of them took to sicily where she ended up acting as something of an assistant photographer for what was clearly a trip designed to build callaway's fame she wrote quote when we left our room that morning she packed several outfits so she could pose for a day's worth of photos in one afternoon I meanwhile was deputized as the photographer, instructed to find her best angles and keep my shadow out of the frame. When Caroline was satisfied we got the shot, we'd hurry back to the hotel to connect to the Wi-Fi, brainstorming the caption together. After she posted the photo, she would hold her phone in her palm and watch as the comments rolled in, responding to each one." So instead of enjoying the trip and enjoying the life, she's more concerned about what people think of her enjoying the life. On that trip, the pair ended up missing some non-refundable flights due to weather, and Beach couldn't afford to get home, but Calloway's parents' credit cards could certainly afford it. So Calloway was kind enough to use her parents' money to send Beach home. To pay Calloway back, uh, Beach offered to spend the summer editing her Instagram captions. Um, if anyone wants to pay me to do that, I'm happy to. <laughs> it seems like a pretty sweet deal. Uh, She got sucked into the facade that Callaway was building and believed it was uh, important as the numbers of likes and followers kept growing. So I can kind of see where you get sucked into that. Like, I obsessively check our analytics on the podcast, and like the higher it goes, the bigger rush I get when I see the numbers because it means like people are engaging with us and they're interested in what we're producing. So I can kind of see where Beach is coming from on that. I mean, I'm not going to. Turn into like Anne Hathaway in this situation though, so please don't. Yeah, no. Things fell apart when Calloway and Beach had a deal in which Beach would sublet Calloway's West Side studio apartment for a steal in exchange for her editing services on Instagram. So they were all set. Um, Beach was a poor, starving writer, uh, was desperately needed to leave her shitbox apartment, and Calloway was away at school in England, so the idea was she would move into Beach's. Fancy-ass apartment. Beach would move into Callaway's fancy-ass yeah, apartment. In exchange for continued services of Instagram captioning. However, Callaway pulled out of the deal. Um, she said the price of gold had dipped and her parents were having financial problems, so she now needed to rent out her apartment as an Airbnb. However, she tried to hire Beach to be the super slash maid for the property. So she would go in and clean between guests, uh, make sure everything was there, they got the keys and all that. Uh, Beach tried it for one time and then got Calloway on the phone and said she didn't want to do that. And Calloway reportedly said to her, quote, You're the only one of my friends who needs the money badly enough to take the job. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> it, and it's really heartbreaking because, um, Beach was saying she, the the first time she went to clean the place, the night before, she had been on a date that did not go well. She... It was only her second time having sex and it was rough. And the guy got violent with her and was texting her nasty things the next morning. And then she had to go and clean up a socialite's apartment so that some other socialite could rent it. And she was just like, what is my life? (laughs) It was a heartbreaking section. So this whole thing happens like you're the only poor friend I have. So just do the job for me. And then they kind of break off. They don't talk for a couple of years after that. Uh, but about two years later, uh, Calloway had been growing her Instagram following, and she was up to 90,000 followers, and she was blowing up, and she was out on a press tour. Beach reached out to her in the spring of 2015 to offer to work for her again. Uh, New York City is expensive when you're an underemployed writer, and this was an opportunity that she wanted to see if she could take. So she reached out to her in the spring, and it was September of that year before Calloway finally got back to her to tell her that her book proposal was due on Monday and could Beach help her prep it. So she emails her on like a Thursday or Friday and says, it's due Monday. I need help. They fell right back into their old podunk versus debutante, girl from the sticks versus boarding school alum dynamic immediately. Like that weekend, they just sunk back into the old pattern. Uh, And while very high on mushrooms, they had a, and Adderall, they had a handshake deal agreed between them in which Beach would act as her official editor and get a 35% cut of anything that they produce together.
1: What? I'm just going to put it out there that I get that, like, I feel bad for Beach, but she's also an idiot. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of decisions being made here, but
0: like, this is what happens when you're like early twenties, right? Like you don't have a
1: good perspective of what's healthy and what's not. That is true. I did stay in her old job for a long time. In my mid twenties, I should say.
0: Yeah. yeah. So yeah, she made a lot of poor decisions, but she knows it. Uh, So in her piece for the cut, Beach describes the writing process for the book, and it is pretty grim. She paints a picture of Calloway in which the young woman is clearly suffering from both severe depression and an Adderall addiction. Calloway was on the verge of pulling out of the book deal, and it was only Beach's dedication to both her friend and the project that kept it alive at that point. Uh, This is when Beach found out the truth. The macaron picture that was at Callaway's launching pad was actually one of several ads that Callaway had paid for on Instagram before the rules about ads were in place. And those ads promoted her account, and she had bought thousands of her followers as well. So the foundation of what Callaway was now, the laurel she was resting on, the foundation of that was false, completely false. So how can you write this autobiographical book for someone else is already hard but then to find out that the the narrative isn't the narrative, right? And this is when the friendship really started to break down for good. So Beach recounts a harrowing night in Amsterdam that opened her eyes to the fact that Calloway was too self-absorbed to be a friend to her. So they had gone out for drinks one night, and Calloway left early, and Beach was going to try to hook up with the bartender, and it just didn't go well. He offered to take her down to the bathroom gentlemanly. Mm -hmm. So she tried to go back to their Airbnb. Callaway was not answering her phone. So Beach ended up having to roam the streets of Amsterdam all night. She couldn't get into the Airbnb. She finally showed up at like the next morning at like eight or nine and Callaway let her into the apartment and was just like, Oh, I thought you went home with that guy. Like just a real, like no man left behind was not part of Callaway's workup. (laughs) No. So for the cut, Beach wrote quote, I'd always known she couldn't arrive at the airport at the suggested time be bothered with classwork take care of the king charles spaniels she bought on impulse but i had held on to the fantasy that she didn't care about the small stuff because she was busy with the grand plans that would change my life i had built my whole career around my commitment to her persona crafting it caring for it and trying my hardest to copy it spinning it out into the streets of a strange european city as if the whole world existed to take care of me so Calloway ended up missing the final deadline for her book and the publisher asked for its $100,000 advance back, as you do. To stay relevant, um, Calloway, So Calloway and Beach had that split over the Amsterdam trip. Um, they went their separate ways. Beach ha- or Calloway had to pay back the money. But in an effort to stay relevant, Calloway organized what she was calling a creativity workshop, which has been described by some as a one-woman fire fest. For a one hundred and sixty-five dollar ticket, participants were told to expect orchid crowns and something called a cooked salad as their meal for the day, and a tutorial to quote architect a life that feels really full and genuine and rich and beautiful.
1: I don't necessarily I know now now that I know the story you're talking about. I don't necessarily see Callaway as um, quite the fire festival con person right well I no, think you're right i i see them both as having made poor decisions yes i think beach probably should own a lot more of her yeah the poor decisions that she made yeah because as shitty as callaway was she wasn't holding beach to the fire mm-hmm. right like Beach still made all those decisions as young as you were, because Calloway was just as young. So yeah. Beach is making bad decisions based on her own age. So was Calloway. Yes. And, you know, Calloway ended up canceling her workshop. And yes. it was just more, it just seemed like she was just like, I was going to do this, but then she realized. It's a lot. A lot of
0: work. And I don't know work. what I'm doing.
1: And yes. I have no
0: idea what I'm yes. doing. Yes. So you're right. The fire Festival, it, it lacks that um, intent to con people out of money. Which I don't think Firefest started as, but very quickly became. And there might have been like a hope that they could get there, but like a lack of. Realistic. There was a lot of
1: lack of self awareness. Yes. yes.
0: And so At that start.
1: But then he just became a pure con man.
0: Well, him. I think he was always a con man yes. and This. Yeah. He just benefited it more from it. But yes. So this. Uh, what did I call it? A creativity mm-hmm. workshop. So she was selling $165 tickets. Uh, the problem was she sold tickets before she even had a venue and generally didn't know what she was doing. So, for example, she somehow ended up with 1,200 mason jars in her studio apartment for, I'm assuming, the cooked salad that she was going to be serving. And, yes, you and I both know there are a gajillion moving parts, and it's why we have checklists and Excel spreadsheets and, and... education. Education and timelines, and we hold ourselves accountable to those timelines. It's yeah. Like, this was just, like... Oh, it'll happen. It'll come together. Like, yeah.
1: Because everybody thinks what I do for a living is easy.
0: Yeah. Most people are dumb. Uh, so, Calloway continued to document on Instagram every step of the disaster and these long diary, diary style posts. So you can go back and reconstruct everything
1: and what oh, went was wrong. A lot of, I think, just, ah, uh, not
0: Oh, just lack of knowledge. Yeah. And yeah. just
1: lack of self awareness.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, in the cut piece, the beach gives two quotes to explain that behavior that um kind of gives some insight into callaway so quote caroline had always been obsessive and confident but instagram focused those qualities like sunlight through a magnifying glass and the second quote was caroline was caught between who she was and who she believed herself to be which in the end may have been the most relatable thing about her this is why when people ask me if Caroline is a scammer, I try to explain that if she is, her first mark is always herself. Which is back to the self-awareness and yeah. a complete total lack of it. <laughs> total lack. So Beach gave Callaway a heads up about the cut piece that was about to come out about her, and for the week before the publication, Callaway took to Instagram, of course, to do some preemptive damage control. Beach summarizes these posts as being about, quote, how much she misses our friendship, how hurt and ashamed she is about whatever she thinks I'll have to say here, how relieved she is that I broke the trust in our relationship so she can now write about me too. So it's like watching a tennis match, but the ball is Calloway's emotions. Like, I miss you. I love you. You've betrayed me. Now I get to betray you. Like, it's, again, a lack of self-awareness as to having any sort of responsibility for what went down and you're right beach has a more responsibility than being the total victim here and i think she's pretty self-aware she'd probably admit that herself but yeah it's just a fucking disaster from top to, top to tail yeah. so in summary calway is really an influencer caught up in her own hype but there's really nothing of substance there to hype up which is yeah, and the and also sad like
1: part. i question why cuz this article came out just as that whole thing was crashing down around her, right? Yeah. Her workshop. I just also question like why Beach put it out.
0: Well, she's a writer.
1: Other than a, other Paige. than a gig,
0: yeah. She got a she got a job, and I mean, you write about somebody when people are looking at somebody, and not before or after, right? So I think there was that, but also it reads like a very cathartic exercise for her, like laying out all these disasters and. Kind of how they shaped and influenced her, and why she ended up there, and why Calloway ended up where she ended up, and all that. But yeah, it is pretty. It's 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 a it's a bash from beginning yeah. to like you you don't need to go into detail about how Calloway ripped up the carpet in her apartment because she always wanted hardwood floors, but there was nothing finished underneath, so she just lived with plywood like. Little anecdotes like that, like, to me, it's, she never says it, but to me, I'm going through my checklist of my depressive episodes, and I'm like, oh, yeah, there it is, there yeah. it is, there it is, there it is. So by not saying I believe she was going through a depressive episode at the time, it just looks like you're throwing somebody under the bus. Yeah. And so that I wasn't such a fan of in the article. But, like, really, it, it's a it's a good look at a mental health breakdown, <laughs> And what those side effects could be. And yep. a drug addiction, too, because that was at play. So just to kind of wrap up my story, to me, influencers come across as regular people trying to stand out from the crowd so that they can monetize their regularness. The problem is they have to be fickle in order to draw followers. So you've got to play out to the crowd. But you have to be sincere to keep your followers. Yeah. And I don't think these two things are naturally uh, compatible. No.
1: They have to trust that your facade is sincere enough that it's believable. Yes. But often it's a facade. Well, yeah. By its very nature, your facade is not a believable thing.
0: Uh, So my takeaway, beware the influencer. The only power is the power you give them. And they're selling you something you can never truly have or truly be. So modern culture is terrible, I guess, is the takeaway. (laughs) So that is my story for this week. Uh, this might be a long one. Holy crap, we're at 145 in the raw audio. Wow. Yeah, it was us. So hopefully we shave that down a little bit for the final cut. So uh, if you would like to know more about the show, see our show notes. Apparently Andy's got a freaking bibliography she's working on for hers. Uh, head over to our website, which is rabbitholespodcast.com. Check out the episode tab for the show notes, uh, the merch tab for our Redbubble store, and the support tab for our Patreon page. And if you want to reach us, tell us about a rabbit hole that you like to fall down or that you want us to fall down on your behalf, you can do that by emailing
1: us at w... no, at rabbitholespodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social media. We are on Instagram, but we are not (laughs) an influencer. We are not. (laughs) Mostly it's memes and... Shots, Yeah, memes. And memes. <laughs> and memes. Yes. Uh, and you can find us at Rabbit Holes Podcast on Twitter at Rabbit Holes Pod, Facebook on Rabbit Holes Podcast page. You can also give us a review, rate us, recommend us, tell your friends and family all about us, tell the world we're kind of awesome. We're not, you know, <laughs> we, we're pretty upfront with who we are. <laughs> yeah. Two people who, one is a ball of neuroses and one is a depressive hot mess (laughs) that's always late for everything (laughs) in my life who went to her first day at a new job and was like, I'm going to wear the one blazer that fits me, and then my toddler peed on it.
0: Yeah, your life is kind of a dumpster fire. It just is. So on that note, there's only one last thing to do, and that's to remind you that if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Bye, guys. Goodbye!